Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It wants to kill you and it's not going to stop until it does. You're listening to The Ghost Files, the podcast where everyday people share their extraordinary experiences with the spirit world. My name is Karina Machado. I'm a journalist who spends time in other people's ghost stories. And today I'm bringing you part two of my conversation with Sophie Tate, a woman who was plagued by a very haunted house. If you haven't listened to part one of my conversation with Sophie, Scroll back in the Ghost Files feed to listen before you start on this one. When we left Sophie, she kept telling us that whatever was haunting her in her rented home wasn't human. And as you're about to find out, it definitely wasn't. On this episode, Sophie concludes her ghost story and shares her terrifying reality of what can happen when you live with a dangerous spirit. Here's part two of my conversation with Sophie. As I said, in the daytime, I had no fear or I wasn't scared in that house. I lived normally. And the whole time I lived there, I lived normally and did everything that I would have done if it wasn't terrorizing me. But at nighttime, I was scared. So as soon as it was dark outside, I was very scared. It was a very quiet area as well. So you couldn't hear really neighbors or traffic. There was nothing to link me to the outside world. At nighttime, it was just me in this scary house. Mm -hmm. I was sleeping with all the lights on pretty much in the house. Um, I always had all lamps and lights on. And then although it would take me a while to get to sleep every night, once I was asleep I was good, I'd wake up, but just the lying in bed every night was fearful for me and I was scared until I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess it found a way around that and it started Mm -hmm. to give me really bad nightmares um, every night for a while. Every night. Was it the same nightmare? It pretty much was. And I know the difference between a nightmare and a bad dream. The difference was huge as to how graphic it was, the fear level and the the waking up and still living with that feeling that you had in the bad nightmare as well. Um, it really was like I had lived it and I just couldn't shake it. So the nightmares, I don't have a lot of the detail, but the main part of it was that it was giving me these gruesome nightmares um, and a lot of it there was it would take me to the fridge or I'd open up the fridge door in my kitchen. So the nightmares were set in that house right? Um, every time. And in my fridge when I'd open it up, I would have no food or drinks in there, but it was it's pretty gross to say, but it was dismembered in a very messy, awful, uh, graphic, bloody way, bodies um, and hands and fingers. Oh, my God, Sophie. It was really awful what it was doing and the things it was putting in my house everywhere. So it did that for quite a while. So then I had lost my good sleeping and I was now not even getting a good sleep because I was now having to deal with nightmares and waking up traumatised 
and then I couldn't get back to sleep and then I didn't want to get back to sleep because I didn't want the nightmares again. So that had now put me into a, a new area again because mm. I, I had just taken away my sleep. Yes, and um, I think when we talked earlier you described it as mental abuse at this point. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like because now you're getting into my head. You're yeah. not just doing physical things of just breaking things in my house or something I can hear, but to get into my head when I'm asleep, it was like it was 24-7 now for me. So I just wasn't getting any time out from it at all. My gosh. And this is where I think you decided to seek some help. Oh, actually, no. Um, just before I did that, uh-huh. so, um, because it's important to a part of the story later, I had another friend stay on a weekend and she was, we had pro- I think we'd just been watching videos. I'd been in a car accident. I'd had um, all bruised ribs. I'd been off work for a few weeks. Oh, no. This happened had, as well. My goodness. Well, I, yeah, I presume it wasn't linked to that. It was on the freeway that this car crash happened. Yeah. Um, by, but unrelated. But anyway, so I'd been off work. I was in a bit of a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was quite shaken up from that experience because I actually thought I was going to die in that car accident. It was that, yeah, a different experience, but um, it wasn't very nice. So I, or someone had dragged for me the spare, I had a spare bedroom with a queen size bed in it. I'd ask a family friend or someone to drag out that mattress and just drag it out into my family room. And I just spent the whole week just laying on that mattress, just watching TV. Um, I couldn't really sit properly with my ribs. So I was just out there just watching TV every day. Okay. My friend had come over on the weekend to keep me company. There was never drinking involved in any of these incidences either. Okay. Um, it was a quiet night. I was still sore recovering. She came over with her dog, which was normal um, for her to bring the dog with her. It was a boxer and we had watched watched videos probably, um, had dinner and then I'd gone to bed and I said, well, you can just sleep out in the family room. The mattress is already on the floor. You can just sleep out there with your dog. Um, so she actually slept in the family room that evening. Nothing again had happened that night. There was nothing that Friends never heard the footsteps or the laughing, those kind of things. It was just like a torment when I was there mm-hmm. so, until they had the bigger experiences. So we went to bed. She was well aware of everything that had been happening, um, but she had her dog in the family room, wasn't worried. So we both went to bed, sorry. A short time after, we sort of both yelled out goodnight to each other from my room down to her in the family room as we were just sort of both trying to to doze and go to sleep. She started screaming, and I've never heard anyone in real life scream like that, but she screamed as if she was being really attacked by something, Mm. Um, very bad something had happened. And at the same exact same time that she started screaming, her dog started barking and going berserk at the same time. They both did it together. So I, again, didn't want to walk out there. I just yelled out, what's happened? What's going on out there? Um, And because I had never seen anything as to what she had, it, I just didn't really think. So anyway, I just yelled out what's going on and she said, I just saw something and she was petrified. It took her a little while for her to get the courage to walk from the family room to my bedroom because I said, I'm not coming out there. We were both paralysed in fear. Her dog still wouldn't stop growling and going nuts. Mm, gosh. So she, once she stopped screaming, she eventually made her way down to my bedroom um, and she was just standing in my door frame 
And I said, what exactly, what just happened out there? Because all the lights were off um, as well because I had a friend over. It was, you know, I could turn all the electricity off for a night. So no lights were on. And she just said, I was just lying there and this big um, a black thing went across your room above us, above her and her dog. So that's the moment she started screaming and the dog saw it too at the same time and started going mental at it. So a big black thing is how she described it, so some sort of shapeless blob or shadow. Yeah. She said it because I was asking a million questions because I had never seen it. Yeah. Uh, and, again, I was thinking, wow, you're it's still obeying my rules to some um, some degree because I was very direct in telling it, never reveal yourself to me. So if every night that this went on for maybe four months all up, it never showed itself to me, but there's my friend in the family room and it, it did it to her. Mm. So, so in a way it me, is like a game it's playing, yeah. Yeah, so half of me is happy that it's all right, so it's somewhat obeying my rules even though it's not letting up on it, it's just finding other things to do to me. Mm. Uh, so I was sort of thinking I had a bit of say in it or something or control even though I didn't. Yeah. So. She, yeah, she described it like a shapeless black blob. It wasn't a human. She said it was definitely not like a human spirit that she saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a shapeless black thing, but she said it was something and she said it was terrifying. So she, um, I, again, because I joke around a lot, I don't know why, it was a really bad time to do it. As she's standing in her doorway and her dog is still looking back up towards the family room, growling at it, I kind of insinuated and made a joke and went, oh, my God, Christy, and looked like behind her as if the thing was behind her. A very bad joke. But when I said that, she jumped from my doorway across my bedroom to beside me underneath a, a side dresser table that I had, pretty much in one flying leap. Oh, I don't my know. God. I did it. But I looked down and she was underneath the table shaking and the fear in her eyes and that's when that was when I knew she actually saw something terrifying. I did believe her initially, of course, but then when I saw that, that's when I knew it was something mm. really bad. So she I said, Oh no, she just climbed into my bed. She's like, There's no way I'm going back out there. So both of our mobile phones were out in the family room and we just wanted to call someone. We wanted someone to come over to help us because we couldn't sleep. We were so scared. But neither of us were willing to walk out to the family room to get our mobile phones. So we wanted to turn the light on in my bedroom, um, but we were both too scared and refused to get up to turn the light on. So eventually together we, we got up and turned the light on in my bedroom. I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. So you wanted to call for help, but there was no way yeah. to do it. We it was it was late at night. It was probably eleven o'clock or something at night. So not a, an easy time to call people. But we just wanted to call our friends and say, "Please come over," because we're petrified. But neither of us walked out to the family room. We just couldn't go out there to get our phones, so we didn't. Okay, so that was that night, which sounds like it was a turning point for you and it, it did ignite sort of your your resolve to get some help or to seek some help. Yep, that night definitely made it a lot more real as well because now we're starting to see it. Even though I didn't see it, my friends had saw it. Yeah. So it's just the whole, at, at the time, the unknown of where it's going to, is it just going to stop? Am I going to wake up tomorrow and it's all over or is it going to progress? 
at the time I never knew what to make of it or what was really happening. Yes, that unpredictability as well just makes, just ups that anxiety, I can imagine. Yeah, you just don't know. When you're living something like that, you don't, you, you just don't know at the time. So it's easy for people to say now, why didn't you move out at that point or at that point? But you don't know and you don't, there's a lot of things to add up as well in hindsight, which yes. is easy at the time. It, it can be easy to dismiss things or write things off also. So then I decided to go and see a medium who is a very good medium in Moorabbin and it wasn't actually for any purpose to do with what was going on in my house. For some reason, I didn't even think of that. If, if this had happened today, I would go straight to a clairvoyant medium and get them to tell me what was going on. But I was 24, younger, hadn't dealt with this before. Um, so at that point, I actually went to a medium for personal reasons. So I had an appointment at night time um, and she would usually go longer than the hour. So I'd be there for a good two hours as well because she'd just keep talking. Okay, so you'd seen her before? I have seen her before, but I would space it out sort of every five years or so. So there's no way she'd ever remember me. She only knew me by my first name, just so you could be sure in your own mind that she isn't just remembering from the last time she saw you and telling you the same thing. Yes, yes. Uh, not someone I saw frequently. But I went and saw her and it was a normal appointment talking about the different things and probably things that I had gone there for. Yeah. Um, and then halfway through the consult, just randomly, she just said, oh, you live with people? And I said, no. And she said, yeah, you do. You live with people. And I said, no, I, I just live on my own um, in, the house, in the house I'm living in. And she's very accurate and you can mark off her accuracy as you go when she's talking about your past. So that's sort of how I gauge it. I don't do too much about the future, but when she's talking about your past, you instantly know if she's accurate or not. Mm. Because I know how good she is, I was thinking, why are you telling me this? Like, you're better than this. Yes. You know, it's not true. So anyway, we actually ended up having a, a sort of light argument because she was adamant and insistent that I lived with people or something. And I said, no, like, how could I not know that I lived with friends or something? So we were both headbutting over this and this went back and forth for a little bit. Um, and I was confused by this as well. And then she just stopped dead in her tracks and just looked at me and her face dropped and she just said, oh, my God. And I said, what? And she said, you live with spirits. And I said, what? Because I, I didn't go there for any of this sort of thing. And she said, um, you live with something in your house. And she had a very scared look on her face. She said, it is not a human spirit. It is an evil force. And she said, it wants to kill you and it's not going to stop until it does. That's My gosh. That's what she said to me. Um, so I was gobsmacked because I wasn't prepared for this. Um, and I said, okay. And then she reeled off everything that it had done to me in that house. Um, from the first week until sitting in that chair opposite her, she told me everything that it had done the taps, the breaking things, the riding on me, blowing up things. She listed everything it had done. and That's amazing. Yeah, so that was amazing. And she said, and there is a, a little old lady that lives in the kitchen. Do you know that? And I said, no. Um, but that was what my next door neighbour could feel. So oh, yes, yes. She had always said she was scared and felt there was something in her kitchen, but I – 
I don't know why I couldn't feel that or see. I never felt that. So she said, there is a little lady that lives in your kitchen, but she's harmless. She said, she's not the thing that is doing this to you. And she was very clear. Um, she was very um, stressed and concerned. She said, this thing is not human. It's pure evil. And she said, it is on a mission to kill you and it, it will not stop until it succeeds. So she said, you absolutely cannot go home tonight. She said, do not go back to that house. I'm telling you how bad this thing is. Um, it's very bad news. Just don't do not go back. I cannot imagine how you felt hearing that. I mean, it does sound like something we see in a Hollywood horror movie. How did you feel yeah. when she said that this thing wants to kill you? Yeah, well, it all made sense. It, that's That was the big moment for me because that's when you look back, I guess, on more hindsight and it's written die on me. And mm. as things were progressing, I was telling it I was not leaving. I physically wasn't moving out of the house. It knew I was there. So it just kept upping its stakes, I guess, on me until I would just move out. So I don't know what it's – I guess it didn't have a breaking point at what it wanted. So I guess it would have – I presume it wouldn't have stopped until it had got what it wanted. Um, so I was scared, um, especially when she said it's an evil, an evil force and not human. So more of a, I don't know, demonic or something along those lines. Right. So, so just some it. sort of negative, like some sort of essence of negativity, some negative entity. Yeah. Something. So up until that point, I was just under the impression it was a human ghost yes. in the house. But yeah. that changed things for me because that's a whole different ball game if you're dealing with something that isn't a human spirit. Um, even though I didn't know much about any of paranormal things, but I was interested, I certainly knew demonic things and those evil things, you do not mess with them. Um, and yeah, I believe how bad they can and will be. That's what they enjoy. Yeah. So I said to her, well, I am going home tonight and it would be at 11 o'clock that night by the time I had driven all the way an hour back to get home after that reading. Um, in my mind, I thought if I didn't go back that evening, I never could. It would be a thousand times harder because I was terrified. So my thinking was the same as when I'm horse riding. If you fall off your horse, you, you get straight back on. If mm. you didn't get on your horse and left it a month, your fear escalates, you build it up in your mind and you're more nervous. So you just have to get straight back on the horse. So that's the, the logic that I had in that moment when she said don't go home. Okay. I, I still was not willing to even consider not living there. So I knew, well, I have, I'm living there. I'm not moving out. I have to go back tonight or it's going to be worse the next night that you do go back. So I told her that I would be going home that evening and she was very angry with me um, and telling me not to. And she then said, well, if you're going to go back, you need to do all of these things to help protect you. So she so, gave you, so I think it was three things she gave you to do, but you didn't really yeah. do them, did you, Sophie? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even explain the way I operate sometimes, but anyway. This is just what I happened at the time. I was very determined. I was very strong-willed when it came to this, mm -hmm. despite the terror and fear that I was living in. Um, so she said, well, if you're going to go home, you need to do these things and that will help protect you. She said, you have to get lavender and put at your front door. She explained that apparently uh, lavender, um, 
I don't know, repels bad energy or something mm-hmm. and sort of promotes good energy but it will block bad energy. Um, I didn't bother doing that because to me I didn't really see how lavender could really help in a situation like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I just didn't do it. Um, I didn't. I, I did not tell her that I wouldn't do these things. I said, okay, I'll do all of these things. But I drove home going, I'm not doing any of them. <laughs> so, because um, <laughs> she was already angry at me. <laughs> what so, were the other two things? She then said, you have to get a cross and you have to wear it around your neck. At that point, I had never thought of religion. I wasn't anti-religion, but I was more on that side than believing in God or anything like that, or believing that God could help in these um, situations. Mm-hmm. So I guess she knew more than me at the time because I was 24. So she said, you have to wear a cross around your neck. It will protect you. And there was no way. Um, mm-hmm. And I told my dad all of these things. Um, and I said, I'm not wearing a cross around my neck because I find that scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know because you've seen, I've seen stupid horror movies with crosses and exorcists. I just said that freaks me out. I don't know why, but it just does. So if, if it happened today, I would absolutely wear 50 crosses around my neck. But back then, um, I don't know why, but of all things, that that scared me. So I said, um, nope, I'm not wearing the cross. She then said I had to get salt, a lot of salt, and she said I had to tip it into the shape of a cross at my front door and my back door of that house. She said if you tip, I can't remember the significance of the salt, but the salt specifically does something. Mm, so it cleanses, so, like, I think it's a cleansing sort of, yeah, properties uh, or, yeah. Because when she said it in my head, I was already not a chance in hell I'm doing that. <laughs> it's so, very, it rings very true because I've got a daughter who's 19 and, you know, she's turning 20 in March and I, I figure she would be the same, you know. Our early yeah. 20s, we're so grounded in the physical, aren't we? We're very, you know, it's, it's rare the 20-something-year-old who's, you know, exploring the spiritual realm or God, you know, it's kind of on the rare side. So yeah. it rings true to me what you're saying, Sophie. And you think you know a lot when you're 24, but you really don't. You don't <laughs> yeah, there's that too. But you're very stubborn when you're 24. Yes. So you just do it your way, um, which is what I did. So, but I wasn't trying to be stubborn, but I guess it comes across like that, that I just was. So my mind was there is no way I'm putting assault cross at my front door and the back door because it's already written die on me I know it can spell I know it can write things I was envisioning coming home from every from work every night and seeing the cross of salt turned into the word die mm, or mm. you know like I hate you Sophie or something like that mm. I was just picturing it no it's going to change that into its own word fair so, enough but you know it's so, it's capable of anything yeah that's why I was, nope, not a chance. I'm putting a cross at the door in salt because it'll change it. And then she said, um, of course, um, she didn't, how could she possibly know this, but uh, my ex-boyfriend probably six months to eight months before I moved into that house had died in a car crash with his friend. Oh, no. So, there's no way she could know this. There's no way she could know any of this, but she said, she just blatantly said, you have to wear that ring that your ex gave you because he'll protect you from up there. So she just said that simply as mm-hmm. if it was my friend that already knew I had an ex-boyfriend that had died and it gave me a ring a Christmas or two ago when we were together. Amazing, so, Sophie. That is so, truly amazing, yeah. So she knew that just straight off the cuff and said, you have to wear that ring. And again, I said no. 
I don't know why. I just had this thing that all these things would, I guess, attract worse things. Okay, yes, yes. You were so steeped in fear, I guess, you know. Yeah, but I just, I don't know, but I wouldn't even wear that ring and I loved that ring, um, but that had lived in my jewellery box since we had broken up and then after the fact that he passed away, um, I would never get rid of that ring, but it lived in my jewellery box on my bedside table at that point. So, and I said, I'm not wearing it. And she said, well, then you have to put it under your pillow. And I said, okay, but I didn't. I don't think I did. Um, I think it just lived in the jewellery box beside my bed. And I thought, well, what's the difference if it's sitting there or under my pillow? Like he's up there, he'll protect me anyway. Like, I didn't mm. understand. I had to have the ring on me. But, I, yeah. I can understand your thinking, yeah. yeah. But that was my logic. So yeah. I drove home that night. I didn't do any of those things. Um, and I was terrified. That was the most I've ever been scared in that house that night. So when I got home, it was about 11 o'clock. It was pitch black. Um, I don't think I'd had lights left on that day. I'd gone from work that evening. I'd then driven up towards the city to go to this reading. And then by the time I got home, I don't know why, but I think I'd slipped up that day. So it was pitch black. And then when I turned on, got to my front door, I had to walk across the big family room to the next light to turn the light switch on for the family room, which meant I had to walk, you know, 10 metres or 12 metres in the pure dark. Mm. So basically what I did was, and it probably took me an hour just to get to bed, I didn't brush my teeth. I never showered in that house at night time. It was too scary. I did as much as I could in the daytime. So that night I just went express, no teeth, nothing, because um, I was so petrified, especially after what she told me. And it took me probably an hour just to walk from the front door to my bedroom because I had to get the courage up to walk from one light switch to another, just leapfrogging from light switch and leave every light on as I went through the house. That was when I decided, okay, enough's enough now. I'm now messing with something beyond anything that I could deal with. It's not human, so that's way out of my league. So at that point is when I rang my dad, who um, I don't know how to describe dad. With uh, There's no label I can put on him, but he can see things. He can get rid of bad things and ghosts also. He's very good with a lot of different supernatural things, I suppose. And it's very interesting because your dad is also a retired international airline pilot. So like you, he's got that very logical professional side and then he's got this other sort of ability and interest as well and that's what you called on at that time. Yeah, so um, we sort of joke around and call Dad a ghostbuster because we know <laughs> there's a problem. We can just call Dad and he'll get rid of it. He doesn't really elaborate to us how he does things a great deal or maybe I get the feeling he doesn't like to talk about it. Um, I, I don't know, um, but I don't really understand it. He finds it hard to explain, but I know he can do it. And so you hadn't called on him until this point? I did not call on his help until this point. So after that medium told me all of that and said what it was determined to do, that's when I drew the line. Um, And I rang Dad and said, look, I've just seen Crystal. She's told me all of this. Um, My dad has seen this medium as well, so he knows how brilliant she is. And I just told him everything, what she said. I said, it's time to go. Can you come around sometime or do what you have to do but get rid of it? 
Um, and he said, yes. And I said, I don't want to know what you see. Um, so don't tell me. I just want you to get rid of it. I don't know why at the time I was scared to know. I, did, I wouldn't let him tell me what he saw. Um, so he just came around and did it one day, I think, um, when I was at work. Mm-hmm. So I never knew. He never said I'll do it tomorrow. He just said, yep, just leave it with me. So I don't know how long this sort of thing takes, but I just knew that he would sort it for me. And then without knowing when it had happened, the house just became normal and I just I wasn't scared in the house. Wow. Uh, so it just it just went. And that's when I just went, oh, my God, I haven't been scared for a bit. I didn't even click because you just kind of go with it because you're just happy or I don't know. It's not like I just walked in and went, oh, it's gone. It feels different. I sort of It took me a little while or a few days to realise, hang on, I haven't been living in fear because I've been living a normal life in the house just with the fear on top of it. Mm. And did the nightmares stop, Sophie, as well? Everything. Everything. Wow. And I just, my shoulders dropped. I just wasn't scared. And then Dad told me <clears throat> that he had done it. So I knew, oh, yeah, that, that links up because, and he said, how are you feeling? And I said, yeah, I'm not scared anymore in the house. So I didn't ask him what it was. I don't, I, yeah, I can't explain why that scared me mm. and the other I lived through did so I actually found out years later what it was and I actually asked him years later what did you actually see what happened um and he told me that um you've seen I've sent you photos of the house but like Mm. if you picture beneath the family room and that decking you could sort of walk under the house like it was like extra storage in that that part oh yes he said he saw and he described it the same as my friend Christy saw the big black nondescript blob non-human but something thing mm-hmm. um, described it exactly the same as what she saw um, and he said it was under your family room and it was there and he said it had claimed that house and it, it just it wasn't it wasn't happy that someone was in its house that was its territory and it didn't want anyone want anyone else in it um, so and- when did you get that explanation finally how many years did it take you to get the courage to let him tell you what he saw there um, I don't know. I sort of, it sounds silly, but I sort of forgot about it because I'm 24. I was working full time, always riding on the weekends. I had a good social life. You just, you get on know, with you things. Start, you get on with yeah, things. Yeah. You sort of forget about it. And then one day I was like, oh yeah, I should really ask dad now. So it was quite some years afterwards that I actually asked, oh yeah, what was it that you saw? And he said, I did see the old lady that lived in the kitchen. He's, um said that she had been stuck there since the war. She used to live in that house with her husband. And he said that the husband had been sent off um, as a pilot to to fight in whichever war it was. Um, and he'd said when he left, um, wait for me, I'll come back, but just wait for me. But apparently he died um, in the war, so he never mm. came back. So Dad said she actually, even though she had passed on some time later, because he'd said wait for her, wait for him, she stayed there. Um, oh, so bless her. <laughs> yeah, so apparently that lady just stayed in my kitchen. But I, as I said, I never um, felt her or anything to do with her. So Dad just said I set her free so she could go um, and go back to her husband. And I don't understand how this sort of thing works a great deal, but I believe it does work and it happens. Do that make sense? Yes, um, yes. 
and yeah, and Dad said he got rid of the the bad thing, and he said it was it was pure evil, um, and it was set to, to to destroy. It was set on its path, and so was I, and we both weren't getting what either of us wanted. Mm, that's and Sophie, do you think in retrospect that your somewhat dormant, quite powerful psychic ability, in some way, contributed to this? You know these events. I don't know. Um, I guess it makes sense that if you're open to something, that that's how things can get in. Um, so I suppose I do believe that even if you're not actively seeking something and inviting it in, but if you're open to it, I guess it can get in, or that's how you see things. But at the same time, in that in that house and situation, I just think whoever had moved in would have copped it. Mm just based on what dad said and sort of what the medium had told me my feeling is it just wasn't happy that someone was in its space it, it wanted that space to itself I didn't want to share it and I was annoying it yes I guess I'm just wondering because your neighbors had not really had that experience so I, yeah yeah that makes me wonder too. I'm like, so it moved in at the same time as me? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's obviously a very old thing, whatever this thing is. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. But I can't, kind of can't think that it was just me because that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No. There was one more thing that happened, oh. I remember. Ah, so, yes, yes. Yeah, which was really interesting. So after all of that happened... Life continued on as it was, which was normal, but I was living now nicely without the lights on. I had to ring the electricity company. I had to um, ask for a payment plan because I'd been living with all the outside and inside lights on for so long. Um, I had to pay my electricity bill off over quite some months. Oh, my gosh. So you had um, practical things to deal with in the wake of all this as well, yeah. yeah. So it took me a long time to pay off the electricity bill. It wasn't gigantic but then so that was fine I that I was just dealing with that but then a few weeks after everything had settled and I was happy and I was absolutely satisfied that it was gone um which was great there was a Sunday morning where I wake up in bed and I didn't have very good blinds in that house I think I had a sheet on the window because it didn't even come with blinds so I'd hung up a white sheet as my curtain and it, it was quite bright in the morning and I was just lying staring at the wall probably thinking about getting up and what I was going to do for the day and my back was faced away or my back was turned towards the my bedroom doorway so I wasn't looking up that way and then I was just lying there. It was a nice quiet morning and I heard um, someone walking down my hallway towards me. Mm-hmm. This wasn't footsteps like before. This time it was a distinct sound of someone walking towards me but it was the swooshing noise of the if you're wearing pants and they sort of rub t- as they wipe past each other. Okay. Wipe, so this is a new thing, a new sound. Yeah. So this is a whole new thing again. So this is, um, and I could hear it every step, like the rhythm and the swooshing of the, the pants or the fabric or the skirt, whatever it was. So this, and I wasn't facing my bedroom door. I was facing the wall away from it with my back to it, but I could hear it walking um down my hallway and it was getting louder and louder every step as it got to my doorway and into my room. So I knew there was someone. This I was 100% sure it was human. I don't know why, but I I was sure it was a human spirit. 
um, from the sound and the feeling I got for it. And then as it got to my bed, it was very loud at this point, so I knew it was standing right behind my back. Hmm. Um, It sat on the end of my bed um, at my feet and my whole bed went down like a person was actually sitting on the end of my bed. Um, You know, your feet sort of fall into that gap where the person is. Yes. Um, So I knew there was someone sitting on the end of my bed. I definitely believe it was a human. Um, I was petrified. That, because I've never, of all the things in the house, I never actually experienced seeing something or feeling it sort of thing. Yes. So that was very close because it was a centimetre from my foot on my bed. So my chest was pounding so much it actually hurt. I can still remember the pain of I just had no idea that your chest could beat that hard that it actually hurt. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'll never forget how much that hurt. I wasn't blinking. I was just staring at the wall, petrified and frozen. I didn't know what to do. Um, I just knew there was someone on the end of my bed and I didn't know if I looked around that I would see it as well. And that was your great fear to see something. Yeah, I never, I still to this day don't know how I would cope if I saw something. Um, So the feeling that I had with that was that it, it came with a nice feeling. It, I didn't feel it was going to hurt me or it wasn't scary. I knew it wasn't the other thing in the house. It it came with a feeling like it was your mum. Mm. You know, if you're sick, they come and sit on the end of your bed and sort of put their hand on your leg and go, it's okay. Yeah, that's like, nice. Yeah. It felt like that, but I was pe- equally petrified. That didn't make it any easier for me because um, that was the first time that sort of thing had happened. So after a while, I just couldn't take it and had to get out of there. I just had to turn around and just prayed that I didn't see anything and I just literally ran out of my bedroom, out of the house. Um, so you didn't it, see anything? I didn't see it um, and I nev- I told it I didn't want to see it. Everything in that house knew I never wanted to see anything, so I never saw anything, but I heard that and felt that on my bed. Well, you've done a fantastic job explaining it and you know, on behalf of all our listeners, <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. And we're, it's not that we're glad you went through it <laughs> per se, but we're very um, honoured that you, you know, you've shared with us today. And um, I can't let you go without asking what an encounter with the dead can teach us about living, Sophie. Um, I suppose it just confirmed my belief. I've always believed that there's life after death. I don't believe you just die and that's the end of it. I'm not still. I don't. I'm not 100 sure where we go. If it's heaven or if it's what happens to us, but I definitely don't think we just die, um, and that's it. So it, those what happened to me kind of just verified my thinking and my beliefs. Um, that yeah, definitely. Once you go like that, whoever it was that came to me on my bed just proved that you still you continue on somewhere. Um, which is comforting to me because it scares me to think that we just die and that's the end of it. Yes. So I didn't really learn a lot, I suppose, because from the evil thing, but I certainly know that I would never mess and tamper with anything bad. Um, That has been solidified in my brain and to certainly never try to attract anything bad because you just don't know what you're messing with and I don't think we'd ever win against it. Mm. So your, your story, um, what sort of stands out to me is your courage and and I guess there's a warning in there, you know, as well about just living, you know, with positivity, would you say? Like how would you, you know, how has that changed the way you actually live? 
it probably hasn't changed anything. I'm still the same <laughs> in that sense. <laughs> but if these things happened again, I would call my dad sooner than later. I wouldn't let it roll out the way it did. Uh-huh. Uh, because I've got the hindsight now of how it escalated and where it went, I wouldn't wait and wonder, oh, it might just go away tomorrow. I'd be more proactive. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ghost Files. If you have a story that you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear it. Please email me at karinamachado at optusnet.com.au. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.